welcome back to another episode of Prop Talk, the official podcast of the Property Masters Guild. I am your host on this episode, Mikey Trudell, uh, Property Master Guild member and Local 44. And filling in for Chris today, we have Teresa Corvino, uh, Marketing Director of the PMG, also Local 44. How's Hello. it going? Hello. Good. Welcome. Good. Welcome. Glad it's, to be here. Yeah. This is your first Prop Talk episode. Very first. Yeah. You were on the education video, which was in mm-hmm. this room, but a little bit different. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. Um, we have another guest today uh, to add to our regional series, I guess. They've been a little bit scattered, but um, calling in from a Zoom from New York, we got Diana Burton here from Local 52, also a property master. Oh, hi, everyone. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. And um, before we get going, actually, hold on, smile for the camera. I'm going to take a little screenshot here so that way we have some record of this visually. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, welcome to Prop Talk. Uh, we've been trying to get you on for a little while. You were actually, I think, on like the second episode, second or third episode of Prop Talk. Uh, we had a little bit of technical issues about the about guns and stuff like that when we were talking about the Rust incident. So you weighed in a little bit, but we had a full room on that one. So I'm glad to get you back here to where we can actually talk about you and your awesome career because you've you've worked on some awesome stuff. You've worked with the Cohen brothers. You worked with um, You've worked with a ton of people. You've worked on Sopranos, which is amazing <laughs> in itself. But you, you've also worked with like on some of like the most classic films and and I mean some of the best films and theaters that are coming out to this day. So um, yeah, we'll get into that and talk about all of that. But um, did you grow up in New York? First of all, did you start out there? Yes. Yeah, I grew up in New York, and um, I started my career here um, as a PA, which is the only way you could really start way back when, when I started, there was really no way to get into the union unless you had a family member. So I started out as a PA and I was a PA on Ironweed and I met the prop people and I thought they were having the most fun and most creative. And I really wanted to do that. And everybody said, oh, there's just no way that you could ever do this because you're not a legacy member and you're female. And I was like, I, I don't understand that language. So <laughs> I was fortunate enough to um, not listen to people. And, you know, just I just kind of kept at it. And I had some wonderful people that championed me through it. And, um, yeah, Ironweed was my first my first movie. And I was, a, you know, a PA on that. So one of the first scenes I ever saw was Meryl Streep, you know, giving one of the most iconic performances ever as, um, you know, as the homeless woman in... Um, in that movie and um you know watching her act i was bitten so there you go yeah did you i mean did you go to a film school or anything like that or did you just decide that the movie industry is cool <laughs> let's do that well it's funny i mean i made films in college i was art and communications and i made films in college and i always wanted to get into the film business um even not knowing what that really meant but but from the first day that I was on a set as a PA, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. And like, that's the, the the great thing. It's like when I've had people who, you know, kids are like, you know, I want to get in the film business. I'm like, all right, come on, be a PA. And if it takes, you know, within the first week, then you know they're into it. They're it's for them. But if it doesn't, then you know they're meant for something else. You know. But for me, this is really what I wanted to do. I want to do something different every day. I wanted to become an expert at things. 
I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to ever get bored. Maybe, maybe it's was undiagnosed ADHD, maybe, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, yeah, when I, from my first day working in the business, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Did you, so you just kept gravitating towards the prop table and you were like, this is definitely it. Like, <laughs> Well, it was just the prop guys were solving problems. You yeah. Know? I mean, Iron Weave was a period film. So when the, you know, when the, when the cars got stuck in the mud and trying to figure out how to get them out, you know, I was like, wow, look at this. This is fun. Um, I was just gravitated. I gravitated towards those creative people. It was uh, Tom Allen and Sandy Hamilton and, yeah. and Edgeworth, who were all like, you know, you know, iconic prop folks who were just, you know, I was just in awe of what they were doing. And I kind of wanted to be a part of it. Some of them still are. <laughs> I mean, still doing yeah. it. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was that break moment for you that you got to make the switch into props? Uh, I think that I met uh, I met Tom Allen on that film. And he hired me for his next movie um, as a prop PA, which was, you know, before, before... I, there was a union called Nabit before we merged with the IATSE, which you, when you could have prop PAs, it was legal to do it. So Tom hired me as a prop PA um, on his next movie, which was called Me and Him, which was a which was with Griffin Dunn, who basically had a conversation with his penis, which was really fun. And <laughs> I got to do phone sex on that movie, which this is kind of an aside, but. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I got to do an awful lot very quickly with Tom. You know, he trusted me. And so I did, I did, um, and I, I, you know, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. And I did Last Exit exit to Brooklyn as a prop PA, which was the most amazing film. So I was lucky because all of the movies, everything I worked on early was kind of, you know, spectacular. Yeah. You know, it was so what, um, where was where was the moment then where you were actually able? Because you said you like what when you say the way to get into the union is you have to have a family member. Does that mean somebody literally needs to be like with power has to go in and be like this person is union now? They need to be union. Do it or or well, I I think what happened like I gave myself three years to be poor. You know, I'm like okay, I can do this. You know, not be in the union. And I think what happened. Um, Eventually, when the unions merged and more people from NABIT, which was a, not a legacy union, joined the IA, they had to kind of make room for us because the NABIT people like Tom and Sandy, they were not legacy, but they were legacy in the IA. So, um, you know, so then the unions developed, a, a, you know, a test and a practical test and, and it made it very, very difficult. But I, you know took the test and took the practical tests and uh, you know eventually I was in um, you know three years later I was able to get into the IA because of that time in history when the two unions were merging so what's like because we just had Mary Arthur's on and that sounds like it's similar to what's what they have over there right because <laughs> they got it they kind of have they have IA over there and they have like a maybe thing too where there's two different unions and, and that's kind of competing over in Toronto um, right. Which sounds like really weird. And it's like, oh, if you're over in that world, you're in that world. And then if you're in IA, you're in IA and the, you're not, the two aren't allowed to cross. So, right. so when did Mabic go the, away? Is that, was that like, once you left that, was that just, 
It, it was more that the IA and the, and Navit merged. Oh, so they merged. Navit was no more, and the, and the IA took over. Oh, interesting. You know, that was the single single union. That's probably you the know. way to go then. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's 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 just was the time, you know. Yeah. That was. I mean, I got lucky because of of that time, but I. You know, there were some guys that would say, maybe you'll never get in the union, you never. And then they ended up working for me a few years later. You know, like all that kind of stuff, which I don't even need to talk about. But, you know, like things change. Yeah. You know? And how what's how, what's the process of getting in as a prop person there? Because your guys' union, it was Local 52, is, is multiple crafts, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the process of getting in as a prop master? Well, you can get in as a prop person. By oh. taking the test and being voted in and, you know, two different tests. Um, and the way that you get to be a prop master is you have to ha come with experience. Somebody has to give you that opportunity Yeah. to be a prop master based on people having worked with you before or working on a smaller budget, a tier movie. Tier movies is a good way for people to come up as, as prop masters. Um, but you know, I, I just encourage all prop people, anybody who wants to get into this business as a prop to work with some of the best prop masters ever and learn all the good skills. I don't know how you ensure that because there's a lot of people out there that don't, haven't done that and then don't come, you know, they, that can sort of, you know, water down our expertise, which is a problem, but, um, but for me, I got I had the opportunity to work with a lot of really good people throughout my career. Yeah, that's what we're hoping the PMG is going to at least help absolve that a little bit. Where like I mean, in LA, it's like you come up two ways. It's like like I, I started prop mastering first, but then I when I joined the union, I took a uh, I took I kind of put it aside for a little while because it was like now I can work on real shows as an assistant prop person under these legendary prop masters. So I did that for five years and just learned everything, all their knowledge and everything they had to know on some of the biggest shows in television. And after like learning a lot of their skills, you kind of take a little bit what you of, of that from each prop master that does it so well. And you put it in your own skill. And I, I I wouldn't do it any different. But then the other way is people just don't do that. They just prop master. What was your experience? Yeah, that was more my experiences yeah. because I knew not a soul moving to this town. And I got connected through tears and what was new media at the time. And it's a very different silo of people in movies. So you just kept prop mastering in them. And there was an opportunity to meet people working in scale and everything. Like the PMG has been really new for me in that way to connect with other prop masters who have, you know, such a legendary background, you know what I mean? To be able to ask questions and communicate and learn from because it's so easy in, in that low budget world to sort of stay in that silo and you don't have an opportunity to break out of it, to connect to other people to lead to new opportunity and options to learn. So, yeah, I like having the outlet just to be able to like, Oh, well, who prop mastered this? If you could just type it up and it comes up and be like, Oh, I can ask them how they did that <laughs> or do this. I mean, even this podcast has been opening it up for me because it's just like, you're just learning just from t having conversations, you know, meeting them at right. a bar or anything like that. 
Right. No, it is. I mean, because what we do is interesting. So what's really fun about it is talking to other prop masters, no matter who they are, um, always, it's always an interesting and a learning experience, whether they're people who are so excited and to ask questions or for, you know, even me to say, oh, really, you use airsoft guns? I don't know. We, you know, tell me how that works. You know, like it's because that's not in my wheelhouse here. But um, uh, yeah, we are fortunate that if we have the inclination to connect with all sorts of prop masters to talk about all sorts of things, it's always interesting, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think that we get to use the word, oh, I'm bored. I mean, I don't think no. any of us <laughs> have ever said that in our whole lives. And that's so cool to be, the PMG is going to get us to this place where we get to have all of these wonderful conversations and dialogues and learning experiences and, and you know, um, you know, sharing our knowledge. I mean, how great is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of us were attracted to it because of the problem solving element. And now when you go and you talk to other prop masters and stuff, it's interesting the things that we all do exactly the same for some reason and in different ways that we've all completely separately reinvented the wheel. Um, right. And it's just really interesting, you know what I mean, to see. And you're like, oh, my goodness, of course you do it that way. I just yeah. never thought of it. Right. Exactly. How much fun is that? Like, everybody has a different, uh, you know, formula for how to make red wine, not bubble, right? Yeah. <laughs> Or even how to distribute uh, background drinks and stuff like that. If you want to even go oh, down yeah, that. all that. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's done a club stuff. or bar scene. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, yeah. Um, if you guys... Yeah, and I'll, I'll... No, go Sorry. ahead, go ahead. No, no, just some of the things that we started here when you take a table and you, you know, you put numbers on it and the drinks on the middle. Like, nobody was doing that for the longest time here, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay. This is how we're going to do it. Now everybody does it. No. You probably do it in L.A. the same way. Oh, yeah, yeah. We do the grid with the numbers yeah. and stuff like that. But you, yeah, know what's, totally. you know what's funny with that? It's like it doesn't – I feel like there is – it doesn't matter. It does not matter how you do this. You could do numbers with grids with giving every background a ticket with their number on it to put in their pocket and – for some reason, it always gets screwed up. <laughs> like, you're still going to get two number 14s, You're still going to no get two what. number 14s. <laughs> I think that no matter what we do, that's going to happen. But at least we give it our, you know, we give it the college try. Yes. How many times have I had to, like, in an emergency, you know, have a cake where it's just going to be the whole cake, the whole cake, you know, the whole cake. And then all of a sudden, you know, this happened on Sabrina with Sidney Pollack, where then he, he wanted all these people to be eating this cake you know like the, uh, something changed and we had to use like blue tint on the in the icing to make it all match the cake yeah so it didn't matter how many times you told the extras don't eat this cake right and then they and then they do because you see all the blue all over their faces like, really you know? that's that's your fault that's not on me you know so yeah. funny but we all have the same problems with that yeah so if, if, if you guys don't use airsoft guns what do you use <laughs> Yeah, we just, um, we use, um, you know, replicas. Um, we use non-guns and we use real guns. But air, airsofts are a problem in New York. So we haven't gotten so involved with the, with the airsofts. But they... now we're using way more replicas. Yeah. You know, because as we know, you, you know, with posts, you don't really need to fire a damn thing. No. Um, so, um, but yeah, it just isn't something that, that, I, I think a lot of it has to do with our, um, you know, the people who provide us with the weapons in New yeah. York don't 
have airsoft per se. And if I want them, you know, we'd have to buy them and they'd have to, you know, regulate them and own, own them and stuff. It's, it's, it's a different, it's, it's, it's regulated differently in New York. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting, yeah. they're definitely getting more popular here with the rust situation with like, just because, I mean, instead of blank firing weapons now, they all want the ones because the airsoft, they ha they have the kickback and the slide goes back and everything like that. So it's right. not that they have right. to do in post or whatever. So I don't know. They've been more popular on stuff that I've seen, really. I yeah, know. I think that the, what what happens here is I think that the the company that I deal with is resistant to that because that means they'd have to buy new stuff. And, you know, it's all, it's all changing because certainly, you know, I mean, listen, we could we could talk more about all of that, but you know, the rules in New York have always been very the, the safety of our weapons handling here has always been um even more strict than anywhere else in the country. So sure. we it, it's always been taken really seriously, not that it hasn't everywhere else it has, but it's just that you know, as I think I said on the other thing, on the other podcast, you know, we res we have a lot of restrictions in these weapons. They're real weapons, but they can't fire bullets. They can't chamber a real bullet. You know, yeah. like there's all these things. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I have a feeling, I mean, it would be nice to not fire a weapon ever, ever again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. So I want to hear a little bit more before we get into your, your lovely work history. I want to I talk a little bit more about the New York system since I'm unfamiliar and a lot of L.A. people are unfamiliar with. But I, 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 just, I, I just talked to a New York prop master on the phone for a little while the other day. And it's funny because we got just to talking about other stuff. And she's like, oh, I remember the first time I worked with an L.A. prop master. They came out because what we thought were like, oh, people in L.A., they don't really do much. And we do everything. And then once they got to working with them more side hand hand, they're like, oh, the methods are just completely different. So what what is your guys' system? Do you guys, since it is a city, do you still work out of like a, a 48 foot trailer? And and what all do you guys handle out there? Yeah, we still work out of a trailer. It's getting harder and harder to move them around in the city. Yeah. So we're starting to use shorty 40s. It's starting to become, it's, you know, the, it, it, it's, it's harder to get your trailer close to set. So now you have to load a shorty 40 to get 40 to get closer to set and you yeah. need more people, but they're not giving you more people. You know, it's, you know, the the restrictions are, are, um, are becoming greater in terms of, you know, having moving trucks around the city, but they still want to reduce the manpower. It's one of those situations that makes it really, really right. uh, difficult. But then you but, still need a um, pre-call in to move because you're probably in a parking lot that's super far away if you're in the middle of Manhattan, right? Yeah, you need a pre-call. You need to load the truck the day before. You need, you know, uh -huh. there's yeah. there's extra, there there's added steps uh, every single day and not nothing else in the budget is sort of... Um, you know the, the budget is still the same, so you know, like there's there's a little bit of frustration with that, but they're they're trying to figure it out. You yeah. know, we're we're trying to figure it out. It's just, um, you know, I mean, in New York, the prop truck, the prop tra trailer is always the furthest from set anyway. You I know, mean, that's I think that's everywhere. Always been how it is. <laughs> yeah, but it, I, I would imagine so. But it's always like you know a million miles away. So you have to come up with really creative ways to make sure that you have what you need you know, at all times, because like all of us, you know, if they ask for something at the last minute and your truck is a 30 minute round to get to the thing, it's like, oh, 
you know, so now you have to even be more creative in terms of all the things you bring. It's just, it's just always changing. But in New York, we're responsible for, um, you know, picture cars and plating the picture cars. Quite often, if it's a big job, you can have a picture car coordinator, but we still have to get the registrations and the, and the license plates, which I think you guys all do that also. But We do um, the license plates, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but the graphics on the trucks, I mean, we do, we have to deal with, you know, garbage and, or, or you know, tents, <laughs> you know, all, you know, heaters sometimes, air conditioning, you know. You guys got to do lot air of conditioning? <laughs> sometimes in these tents, we got to have, I have to pull in an air, it depends on who it is, but it's, you know, sometimes the, you know, it's more than just having to handle what the actors, you know, right. right. You know, deal with the actors. We have to deal with, you know, all of the comfort sometimes, you know? Yeah. So is that something that's branched out from like the director's chairs or something? They're like, well, props are doing director's chairs over here. Let's have them get the AC units and stuff. I, I think what it is, is that there's all these things that have, change with the times right you know tents and but and there's no department there's like anything that there's no they can't say you do it they because we don't have a union we don't have a unit um we have locations but we don't have a unit um department which would handle all that stuff so that's becoming more and more um you know you just need more more manpower to do it so but it's not anything we want to do. So we're hoping that that, you know, yeah. gets handled differently. No, yeah. Getting but, more um, into the actual work of doing actual yeah. props instead of having to worry about people's comfort. <laughs> totally. And, and for some reason, you know, we were doing rubber mat. For, you know, I don't know where, where that came from, but that was a New York thing mm -hmm. for a long time. What's rubber mat? But like it's, you know, car. when there's cables, electricians put cables oh. down over that. You know how they have rubber mat? We have to do that, but more and more of us are like, no, we'll hand the rubber, we'll buy it and hand it to the electricians, and then we'll be like, no, not doing that anymore. Oh my God. But that's, do you, you know, you guys I don't can't have imagine to... being staffed for all that. No, that's what I was saying. And no, you, I can't imagine yeah. fitting it all in the trailer either. I know it's it's nuts. <laughs> no, it's not the chair <laughs> cart. I just want to kick off the tailgate most of the time. I even think that people sitting in those chairs don't want them. So, you know, yeah. the smaller aluminum, those aluminum ones you guys are all using would be so great if, you know, people would buy them for me. You guys haven't gotten on the aluminum chair train yet? Not so much. Um, I haven't yet, although I want to, but I, I don't want to invest in them. So if there's a, so every job I'm on, I'm like, guys, I have these wooden chairs. Do you want to buy me? The, you want to buy the aluminum? <laughs> <laughs> Or you want want me to rent the aluminum ones? And everybody's like, no, who cares? You know, yeah, let them sit in those things. I'm like, all right, you know. My last, actually, we're, we're getting there. We, I, I just uh, like a month ago just sold off. I, I sold off at least like a, I sold probably twenty of them. Just was like, I was like, I get rid of them. Got rid of all the wooden chairs. I, I have one cart's worth that's just sits in my jockey boxes now because I haven't used them in like three years. I used them once in three years off of a pickup unit job, which was just two weeks. And, and right. that was it. Aside from that, I'd just been using the aluminum chairs and the, I mean, the second carts worth, like they bought me them all on the, on the last job anyway. So I was just like, all right, well, this is all 
they're going to get. Nobody ever fights against those or anything. No, exactly. Yeah, I kept my four prettiest ones yeah. for the BTS <laughs> interviews where everyone right. wants to see the classic chair and the rest of them are all the aluminum now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, that, you know, I would definitely go that way. I think that, you know, I don't know. I they're mean, also getting be... more expensive, the aluminum ones. You used to be able to pick them up mm. really cheap, but now they're getting quite expensive. I think and we've inadvertently caused a run on the market. Them. Yeah. Oh, no. They yeah. break They break easier than the wooden chairs, if anything. But, yeah. you know, if they break on a job, they're buying a new one. <laughs> right. Exactly. They well, get super sun damage super quickly. And I think that's the main issue. Well, out I guess out here, more, maybe more than out there. Mm. <laughs> it's just dry and they get sun damage. So after a year and a half of a couple shows, like they all need to be replaced anyway. Right. Yeah, I think they are more durable. And it's a little, you know, things are a little more rugged out here. And um, just in terms of the weather and <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. So maybe we do have to keep these going. Nobody's objected to them. I mean, when they object to them, I give them, I don't know. It's a thing. It's an ongoing thing. Do you guys, no do, you, what. do you guys usually work? I mean, I'm assuming that you're working all over New Jersey and, and upstate New York and stuff too, or do, does the majority of your jobs like shoot in Manhattan and in the inner city? No, less and less shoots in Manhattan. Yeah. You know, uh, it is Jersey. It is upstate, um, out on Long Island. Um, New York is becoming more and more difficult to shoot in because it's really hard to get around. Yeah. You know, like it's a it's a thing that everybody's trying to deal with, like the mayor's office, like everybody's trying to figure out better ways to be able to make production work in New York City because it's been so difficult. Yeah, I'm to, sure we're crowd control too. But now, too. oh yeah, yeah. But that, that the PAs are good at that here. Yeah, uh, that's like a that's a rite of passage. But the um. <laughs> Uh, you know, the ta- we have we have new tax breaks that are making it better for movies to stay in New York. So, you know, we were shooting a lot in Jersey, but Jersey, you know, it's hard to make Jersey look like New New York, no matter what you're doing. Like New York is just a, it's a character, no matter what. So that's not going to go away. So, trying to figure out easier ways to film there is 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 definitely a priority, and they're they're working they're working on it. Where what part of New York do you live in? <laughs> I live in Brooklyn. Okay. I live in I live in Dumbo, which is, um, you know, it's right on the Brooklyn side of the Manhattan and um, Brooklyn Bridge. So I'm very close to Manhattan. I'm yeah. a bike ride over a bridge. So. Yeah, and do you in this industry working out there? Do you need a car? Um, I, uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, you know, usually it, when you sign on to a production, you get a you get a rental car. So whether or not the prop master uses it or the shopper, or, you oh. know, there's a few cars. You, you need you need cars, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was your first like? What was your the first prop master job that you did? Um. Wow. Um, <laughs> I did a. I did a film called My New Gun, uh, which was a small prop master job. I did, I'm trying to, I can't think of the chronology. Um, I did a movie called Pollock about Jackson Pollock with um, Ed Harris. That was an early one. But the first really 
big one. And I'm sure I did a few more smaller, you know, fabulous ones along the way also, like Autumn in New York. Um, but my first really big prop master job was called The, Inter- was the Interpreter. And it was a Sidney Pollack film um, with Nicole Kidman and Sean Penn that took place at the UN. And it was a, a, a massive job. So that was my first really big job. And originally, it was only going to shoot in New York a little bit. And it was then going to go up to Toronto. And then Sidney Pollack met with Kofi Annan. At the, no, I think it was a Kofi Annan. Anyway, we thought we were going to have to build the UN. And he, Sidney was the most amazing human on the planet. He was one of the top 10 people I've ever known in my whole life. He had a meeting with, uh, yeah, Kofi Annan, I guess, about filming at the UN. And he got permission for us to film there a lot. Oh, wow. In the UN. And um, so once that happened, the whole movie moved back to New York. And I was not just doing a little part of it. I was doing the whole thing. And I had an office that didn't even have two desks in it. I had somebody start with me I'd never worked with before who hadn't done it before, but she was smart and fabulous. And she did so much work on the floor before we even had a desk. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that movie, but it was a huge film. Yeah. Huge film. Did you, so so then you assisted along for a while before you, you decided to start prop mastering then? Yeah, that seems to be the the the, the folly that that a lot of women go through. Hopefully, not so much anymore. You know, <laughs> we should always start. We should start sooner. There's so many women that, uh, in my opinion, should be, you know, the masters, the first ads. The you know, it's changing because women are, um, sort of more empowered and 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 and, and don't have these issues of, oh, no, I'm, I'm perfectly happy being the assistant or whatever. You know, that's, I think that's an, that's changing generationally. But for me, I think I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm great. I, I'm good at being the assistant. But then I found that, you know, my prop masters would be standing on the set schmoozing and telling jokes and I would be doing everything, you know, right. and then I'd be like, well, wait a minute. Uh, so it did take me a while, although I did have fun. And I think it happened at the, at the right time. But I think because, because of where we are now in terms of, you know, uh, women in the industry, like that's not like something hopefully that women experience, you know, going forward, you know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm happy doing this. No, you should be the president. Yeah. That's what I say. Did you ever, did you have a lot of difficulties in the nineties coming up just being in the industry in general as a woman? No, because I didn't really, that isn't really where I would go you know that's not where I go you know like I mean probably there were some elements of it but I was just like no I'm just you know I just always felt pretty confident and I always felt um I always felt like my competency you know was respected to some degree but as i you know when i look back now i'm like wait a minute you know that was false (laughs) (laughs) you know but um you know there's always going to be a certain certain amount of that but i didn't i don't think i allowed it in so much you know i even i even have friends in the industry now who are like 
you know, they talk to me differently than they talk to a man. And, you know, like there's always going to be a little bit of that, but I don't really put up with that so much. Yeah. It didn't seem, nor should anybody else. Yeah. It didn't seem to affect (laughs) anything that went moving forward because you still got some great jobs and it, yeah. it, we just we just always had to be a hell of a lot better than the men. That's all. <laughs> kind of the truth. Sorry, um, but before uh, before but I think it's uh, equal out equaled out now. Before the interpreter, it's, it says that you did a little bit on on Vanilla Sky. Oh yeah, yeah, I was a prop master on Vanilla Sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Yeah, I got to flip a car off of the West Side Highway. Yeah, we got to do a lot of really fun stuff back then. Um, I also did something called the Out of Towners, where we were, I don't know, we were driving ATVs across the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. What kind of was what that? What else is there? What else is there? I was say we're going. The Out of Towners was one because it looked like you made a pretty hard turn from assistant prop master to prop master pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's see, serendipity. Kate and, and Leopold. Oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Paul. Oh, yeah, Kate and Leopold, yeah. Paul, so yeah. It, it says you did the New York unit of Rent. Does that mean that they filmed a lot of Rent outside of New York? Or <laughs> Yes, they filmed a lot of Rent in L.A. It was Christopher Columbus. Oh. Who's the director. Yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah, but he didn't want any silence equal equals death stickers anywhere and I think, you know, <laughs> sure it was great but it was like you know a uh, pretty new york story with with a lot of you know you know that was a time that i lived in here i lived through it i lived through the AIDS crisis in new york i lost a lot of friends you know rent was really kind of our anthem to for a little bit of for a bit and um i think that it you know I think it downplayed a lot of the. Yeah, it's hard to separate rent from New York. Yeah. Yeah, can you imagine? I know exactly. Like, let's not talk about anybody being homosexual in that movie, shall we not? <laughs> uh, not to say no, he's a great director, but you know, I just it felt like it was, you know, it was a little watered down because you know because of my experience being in New York during mm-hmm. that time. You know, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I like musical. Was there was there a hard turn to where like I mean was there a moment where you just were like I'm not assistant prop mastering anymore like I am a prop master now that's like all I'm going to do moving forward. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Do, do you remember what job like that was that kind of? I, I feel like it was the first person that offered me a prop master job. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Random Hearts was probably my last job as a as a prop assistant, mm-hmm. I think that was my last one. And then I was just, you know, it was just time. Yeah, It was time. But when I talk about the interpreter, like all the other ones were wonderful and, and, and big movies, but the interpreter was, a, a, you know, was massive. So I guess that's why that's stuck with me. But it looks like you did. I mean, when, when did you get the Sopranos? Oh, cause you, did you do the interpreter in between Sopranos? I did. I did the interpreter yeah. in between Sopranos. <laughs> I'm thinking about features. Yeah, I did the Sopranos. I did the the third. I wasn't there the first two seasons. I did the third season and and you know to the end. Yeah, that was you know that was 
the greatest show I, ever. I, I didn't. It was yeah. It was it was, and that was the so the Sopranos. I never. I didn't get into the Sopranos until probably actually. I, I didn't actually watch the Sopranos until the pandemic. And I think I, oh I, fun I, yeah and I think it got <laughs> that it got like a boost I think it got I don't remember what streaming network it was on but it was thrown on one of the streaming networks and I, I it was like the number one on that during the pandemic again for a while <laughs> and yeah. I kind of just blasted through the whole thing in a couple weeks um, and it's it, it was great episodics are like my favorite type of television and that that style of uh, I don't know just like the more cinematic soap opera based type of show kind of just picked on picked up i think after the sopranos was one of the first people to do that i mean the wire i guess too right there was a the few, wire was right there with them yeah right and there was a couple other but then that's that's i mean especially with new media and streaming that's kind of the way tv shows have gone now and especially into binge worthy tv shows and those types of shows like I, I remember seeing like Lost and Dexter and stuff, and that's the only type of thing I ever wanted to work on moving forward. <laughs> and right, and that's kind of where I found myself now. I was like, oh, well, if I don't have, if I, I like mo- working on movies and doing movies, but these feel like long extended movies where you gotta get to make a family within the crew and just keep coming back to it. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky enough to work on something that is lightning in a bottle, like The Sopranos was, because the writing, as we all know, was the most exquisite ever. And the acting was, was, oh my God, those actors and Jim Gandolfini, another one of the greatest men on the planet. Uh, Yeah, that, that was, that, I'd like to do those forever. I would, you know, I agree with you. That's when you're making some really, really good filmmaking every single week. Yeah, that I agree with you. I mean, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to work on so many wonderful movies, but I think that the episodic format or even the miniseries format for me is, is kind of also much more interesting to me. Was when you, cause you said you came on, you came on during season three. Was it already, as crazy popular, I mean, as it is. Yes. As, so you kind of knew what you were getting into. Yeah. And how did yes. you, how did you get it, yeah. that then? <laughs> well, I think that they um, they needed to make a change in the land of prop masters. Okay, so, fair. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, and when I said yes to it, it, it meant that I wasn't going to be working with the production designers I had been working with before. You know, like you know, I had to say goodbye to a lot of you know you know, a lot of my trusted employers, but, um, but it was worth it to me. How many months, that show. How, many mo- how many months a year did it shoot? Um, I, you know, it was like 10 months. Oh my God. Ten, not nine or 10 months, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Nine. That was more like nine because I was able to do cold mountain in between and the interpreter in, in between. I remember that, but so you, yeah, you really didn't long. get much of a break. And you still were like, I'm going to take something in between these. Yeah, I I was one of those sort of workaholic types, you know, trying, who knows? I was running away from something, who knows? But anyway, um, uh, yeah, it was still exciting for me to just keep working. And it's hard to turn down some of the stuff that I was offered in between, you know? Even though I sh- 
probably should have, but I didn't. So. Yeah, but you were on The Sopranos. So. <laughs> yes. And I was on The Sopranos. Yeah, that was yeah. probably and, the thing in town everybody wanted to work on. Well, the wonderful thing about that show is that so many of the people I worked with are still my very great friends. We're still quite a family. And when we see each other, we still do. We work together and stuff. It still was like we all know that this was a formidable time in our lives and we will never be, re, we won't recreate it easily, you know. And it was be, mostly because of Jim, you know. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the you know the tragedy of Jim Gandolfini also sort of galvanized us as a family too in a way that we would have you know preferred not to have been. But yeah, did you know, did you get yeah. to make a lot of cool props for that or was it? Oh my god, I had to make everything rubber because you know we hit everybody with everything. It's <laughs> yeah. like what? It's like you know, like yeah, every episode there was a lot of new things that we had to come up with to make um, rubber. You know, telephones and and you know, awards and <laughs> ashtrays and like rubber, you know, you know, prosthetic legs, all sorts of things. It was, yeah, I got to make a lot of really, really cool things. Did you have a rubber that. guy and I, in, in New York that was quick with making that stuff or did you yeah, outsource? Yeah, I did. And I, you know, I use Lonnie a lot too, cause he's the best. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, cause we'd, I'd have to come up with it, you know, pretty quickly. Um, and I also got to be really good at food because, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, they ate a lot and they never stopped eating even when the cameras weren't rolling. So, yeah. you know, if you, if they're eating lobster, you need to get like, uh, 200, you, oh know, my God. Or, you know, all of that. Cause they just would never stop eating. So food became my specialty for a long time. I did a lot of food movies at one point. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think every episode they were in either like a fancy restaurant or even if it's like a sandwich shop or something like that. But <laughs> was it a bizarre Always. feeling the first time you didn't go back to that show because it was over? Oh, yeah, it was, you know, yeah, it was, it was, you know, like, you know, like somebody broke up with you. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. You know, and then part of you're like, oh, you know, it's just you know, then you just look towards new opportunities because then you're not, you know, for six years, you know. Um, yeah, then you just look, look. you know, it was, it, it was exciting. It was bittersweet for sure. Yeah. I can imagine that yeah. last day on set must have been tough. <laughs> so tough. And there's this photo. So funny. There's this photo that always, pop, that seems to pop up a lot at in that Holstein's that a, uh, restaurant. Yeah, where they're all around a table, and I am actually in that photo and not looking my best. I think a hair person was doing something weird to my hair that day, but um, but that photo from that last day shows up a lot every so often, and I, <laughs> I am brought back to that, you know. But um, yeah, it was just the, it was the greatest. <laughs> You were mentioning before this. I don't want to go back to that because I don't want to do another. Where what, you said you owned a bar for a while. When did you have time yeah. to do that? <laughs> well, you know, I know. Uh, I had I had two bars uh, at one point. I I owned a bar in New York on 14th Street called the Beauty Bar, and I know that you have one in LA. That I there was the Shoe Bar. I was part of that bar, but it was more that I was investing in people that. I believed in. Oh, so I gotcha. was like one of seven. So I wasn't like day to day so much. Yeah. Um, but Making it was my bar. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it was the bar that 
film crews went to all the time. And we all, you know, it was a big part of so many of our, you know, coming up when we, we talked to people who are, you know, about the beauty bar and how many rap parties or, you know, parties we all had there. And that's actually the bar that I'm thinking about doing this, this get together with all the prop masters to, you know, talk to them about the PMG. Yeah. Cause a friend of mine still owns it. I don't own it anymore, but yeah. But it sounds like they'll, yeah. they'll make it a good uh, meetup place for PMG, New York PMG members. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It'll be good. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to come out to one of yours someday. Yeah. Maybe before we get back to get up, I would, I'd like to come out and meet y'all. Yeah, you should. I mean, we, we, we're going to keep the events going and stuff like that. Uh, um, I'll talk about it a little bit Just, later, but we'll be we're gonna be at Comic Con out here too, and then we're gonna. I mean, we're even this week. I think, or I don't know. It's probably gonna happen. Yeah, it's definitely gonna happen after. The, yeah, you got you got things going on. But what you could do is on the slide, just text me like, "Hey, die. This one seems like a might be a good one. Come out." Oh yeah, the tailgate party. <laughs> if we if we can, <laughs> I don't think it's ever gonna do the numbers it did this time. But the tailgate party. Oh my god, that I heard was, it was amazing. One. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that was amazing. How much fun was that? Yeah, that that wasn't supposed to be that either. <laughs> well, they never are when no. they're that good. Yeah, I know. It was just supposed to be a, a bunch of prop masters just getting together and barbecuing. Yeah, but okay, a bunch of prop masters getting together. You're gonna have that kind of exquisite yeah. Uh, event. Yeah. More. Well, especially when especially when you have um, like all these non like you have the product placement companies that none of us are working so they can't give anything to just be like here take all this drinks take all this food do all this stuff you need chips oh Lays is giving us everything it's like oh, oh, okay. oh my god yeah that carissa was told me all about it yeah oh it was insane it was. Yeah. yeah that was one of those ones where you just sort of felt like you held on and hope you made it to the other end <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I'm sure Excellent. we'll have I'm sure we'll have more like that coming up. But I mean, the goal is to do that in New York too. I mean, eventually is to have the the numbers in New York because I want to be able to come out there and go to an event that's awesome. You know what I mean? All right, you threw down the gauntlet. I better we better. <laughs> we did have a nice, lovely um, industry meetup um, last week with all industry people, um, not just prop people, but everybody in our industry was invited to this this gathering in a parking lot with hair and makeup trailers because the, the 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 company that sponsored it was Haddad's who rents all the hair and makeup trailers and all the trailers oh. in their parking lot under you know the Kosciuszko bridge and all the hair and lovely hair and makeup people were giving out free haircuts and oh wow and, you know eyebrow things and then there were bands and the people provided food oh and, cool it it was amazing because everybody's been you know not working so you know there was a lot of people that showed up and it was really it was really fantastic and i imagine that you know the the tailgate party was similar yeah yeah no it was yeah 600 people it was it was a turnout though it was a lot of fun <laughs> and hopefully we can keep doing it i i, I don't think it's ever going to be that many people again because the because of the fact that none of us were working, but I think we, right. it, it ended up being so much fun and so good. I still think we'll be able to turn it into an annual thing and something that's fun. We can do in the summer. That's hopefully now more plug and play and less ever. <laughs> we'll see when it comes up again. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I want to talk about uh, how you got hooked up with the Coen brothers, because that seems to have happened uh, shortly after The Sopranos ended, right? Burn After right. Reading? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and, yeah. And how did you just skate into that? It's like when the Coen brothers hit you up, that's not like, that's a, an exciting moment, I think. Yeah, it was pretty thrilling because they called me. Yeah. And I said, yes. Yeah. And that's how that worked. But it was, yeah. And I can't, somebody must've told them about me. I can't remember how that happened, but it happened very casually because, you know, they're, they're pretty great, you know, um, um, yeah, I got, I got called to do burn after reading and like the next day, Sidney Pollack called me to go do something he was doing. And I said, Sidney, I just got a call from the, the Coen brothers. brothers. And he said, Oh no, you have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You have to do it. I'm like, Oh my God, but it's you, you know, you know, we've, I've been so fortunate to have worked with so many legendary directors um, in my career. Like, I just, you know, I feel very fortunate. But I love working with the Coen brothers, and I, I, hope, I hope to be able to work with them again. I was asked to do something that I couldn't do in New York. It's like when they come to New York, I'm, you know, they've called me. But that's the only one I've been able to do. And so. are, they, are they, like, really hands-on? Uh, with props and stuff like that? Or how, how do they operate as far as like getting show and tells in and making decisions on what stuff uh, they want? Well, it, interestingly enough, they're very kind of hands off You know, they like, you show them stuff, they like it, you know, um, not a lot of input, but they, it's almost like they don't need very much. Yeah. It's like they you know, do it all. I mean, I got them the boat that was in the movie, but I went mostly through the production designer. They came out. I, I have a house on Long Island and there was a boat that we used and we looked at the boat and we rebuilt the interior of it and that was exciting. But um, what was really interesting is in Burn After Reading, I had to make this, you know, sex chair. George Clooney was <laughs> yeah, building yeah. the sex chair in the basement, right? And, you know, he shows it to Francis McDormand. It's hilarious. And he describes it. You know, I got all the pieces from Home Depot. The most expensive thing is you know, <laughs> the prosthetic thing. Um, you know, the rubber is expensive, the silicone. And so I was like, oh, shit, I have to make this. And it yeah. has to be in within that budget, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that he's describing. And nobody wanted to help me with it. Nobody. Not the production designer. Not the, you know, nobody. So I was really on my own. And it wasn't like I could show them a drawing, you know? Yeah. Like, so I built it. Really? I showed it to them built. And they loved it. (laughs) And I was, you know, it was a little bit, that was a little nerve-wracking. But it was really fun. I got to go to the Museum of Sex. Because there's all these people that, you know, you know how it is when we have to build something like that. Then you become an expert on all of these people that are so happy. So was there, you know, whose hobbies are these things? Did you find a lot of machines that are similar to this that gave you the idea to do the things that you did? Was there like something that you kind of went off of and based yours, your invention off of? I I, I looked at a few things, but I really did never found anything exactly like it. And if you look at it, you'll realize, oh, that really would never work. But aesthetically, (laughs) it was really fun. You know, I'm like, oh, nobody's going to really want it. But I think the fact of the matter was it was supposed to be horrifying because George Clooney was such a tool yeah. in the movie. It was okay that it wasn't exactly, you know, going to do anything other than hurt someone. But that was probably my most, um, you know, 
that was my most interesting prop that I ever had to do. And because I had to do that. And then you show it to the Coens and all they do is they just like are on the floor laughing. You're like, oh, I think this was maybe a home run, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure when you're when you're breaking down a script and something like that pops up, like how do you budget that first of all? <laughs> I, right? Yeah. You give it a lot of money. Yeah, you're like, I don't you know, even, yeah. At the time, I'm like, it's going to be $10,000, right? And now you'd be like, oh, no, that's 50000 You know, like, yeah. whatever, back in the day. Um, yeah, but it was so interesting how sometimes you probably experience this. Sometimes you can get help from designers, and sometimes you can't. And there are designers that I know hire me because they're like, ah, oh, you'll get it done. I don't have to worry about you. You know, everybody hires us so that, because they're like, oh, or, you, you know, production managers, everybody, they're like, okay, if I hire Diana, then I don't have to worry about right. things. They don't have to hold you know? her hand. Or... Oh, yeah. Like, that's what you want to do. You want to hire the most competent people so that you don't have to worry about it, you know, as a producer, as a as a designer. And then you have designers who are, who are, who are way involved, and, and you got to love that, too. Yeah. I mean, I like collaborations. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends. Yeah. I guess it also depends on, on who the person is because there's a fine line between like somebody who wants to be involved heavily to collaborate and somebody who just doesn't know you and doesn't trust you yet. And it can, I feel like it can get annoying depending on who it is. I know. I, I, totally. <laughs> we run the gamut of all of it, right? Sounds like with the Coen brothers, I, you won you won everything right that. <laughs> I mean, sounds like yeah, they trusted you and that's like a badge of honor right there. Yeah, totally. And the Coens, you know, these guys, they're just, they can do it all themselves. You know, you're, we're all just, you know, everybody's a bit of a tool. We're all tools. So <laughs> the collaboration is really was between the two of them and their actors. And we just brought them everything and hoped it was all perfect. Steven Spielberg is is amazing to work for because he all, he just trusts you. Yeah. It's like I had like one, I, I, the two jobs I did with him, I had one show and tell for each each of the shows, you know, one show and tell with Stephen. He picks up, he tells, you know, he's just the, the greatest. He's the greatest. What did you work on with him? Uh, the Post, which was about the Pentagon Papers, um, with, with Meryl Streep playing Catherine Graham. It was about the Washington Post. Oh. Um, even though the New York Times broke the Pentagon Papers, the Post had, had a lot to do with it. Tom Hanks was in it. It was... Um, we shot it like right after Trump was elected. It was, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a salvation for me to be able to work on something like that. But what was so, what's so fun, which you also must know, is that when you're doing something where there's, where there's historical references, like I got to go down to the, you know, Library of Congress, um, Congress, and handle the Pentagon Papers without white gloves. You oh, know, it's wow. like You're like, oh, here are the papers. I'm like, what? You know. <laughs> so you know, like I'm like what kind of paper do they print it on me? And well, you can't see that on film, but I, you know, that's yeah. the kind of stuff we do, you know, and I had to get, you know, Xerox. There's just so many things, but, uh, but just researching that movie was really, really, um, really fun. I got to go to DC and go to Ben Brantley's house, you know, and meet with his, you know, his, um, his widow, Sally Quinn, who showed me all of his drawings that he made while they were on, in court. like, you know, some, sometimes we just get really lucky and we just uh, get an insight into that. And then I did West Side Story. 
Oh, right, West Side Story, yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. And that was, oh, that was the greatest experience, too. Yeah. Um, what what was it like? So you worked on, like, it, this is, your 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 resume gets so crazy around here too. I mean, burn after <laughs> reading and 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 everything there. But then, like, you did Julia and Julie, yeah, oh, Julia yeah. and Julia, um, and you did Sex in the City too. Right. Right. Uh, Fun. Wanderlust. You did Premium Rush also. How was Premium Rush? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so great. Yeah. So much fun. But Joseph Gordon Levitt. Because I'm a. Right? Oh, he was super fantastic. Um, he was great. You know, in it's scripted that he's he, he, that he's writing a a, a fixie, fixie, you know, yeah. with no breaks. <laughs> yeah. A fixie with no breaks. I'm like, uh, Joseph, I don't know. You're gonna be riding around New York City with no breaks on a fixie. No, 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 I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Meanwhile, I'm, like, building a bike so that there's a break, you know. <laughs> so, you know, he, he flips over one taxi cab, you know, early on. I'm like, okay, Joe, here's this bike. Now. Wait, he flipped like, over okay, a taxi okay. cab, like, accidentally? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, because you're, you know, um, you, you can't ride a bike, bike, bike like that in New York, even though, you know, there are crazy folks that do. They still have at least one brake on their bike. But um, but it was fun because I really like bikes. And it was really, um, yeah, that was really fun. I'm sure you what a great a movie. What a great fixes. director. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Walter Mitty. Come on, that's not Walter there. Mitty yeah, was, uh, Walter Mitty's probably like, uh, probably one of my favorites out of your entire resume. I mean, that along with oh. Oakjaw too, which I want to talk about. A oh my bit. But, gosh. But Walter Mitty. Oh Have I done all these things? This is, I am so, I'm so proud of myself to have the opportunity to do They're all so things. different too. Uh, yeah, so yeah. You have range. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Nick. Ninja Turtles, come on. Yeah, Ninja Turtles also. <laughs> um, but Walter Mitty, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, like, uh, they go to a lot of different places. Did you get to travel a lot for that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time in Iceland. In Iceland, yeah. A lot going yes. around. Is How's Ben Stiller as a director? This was like his... I I know that this was like his like life piece. Like, he he waited yeah. a long time to wait to make this movie and especially step yeah. out of the, the comedy world um, to yeah. do this. Um, so what was that like? What was it like working with him? First of all? Oh my God. He is fantastic. Yeah. And I say that because he's not easy, you know, yeah, I'm was... not saying not easy. Um, he's very, um, he's very, very intense and he is, very exacting and if you lose his faith if if he if you do something where he's like can't trust you yeah you're you're kind of you're toast you know he just can't he he can't like he's not forgiving that way so you have to really always be on your toes 100 percent. so i you know when they started doing rehearsals and i started kind of figure i when, it, when they had rehearsals i would have all the props even like day one first you know when we did some you know camera tests day one i still had glasses all this stuff just because um it felt like that's what i needed to do so when he started rehearsing because he was acting and directing i always i had my assistant prop there all the time with all the props just standing by just in case 
and it really worked. Like, I think that some of the advice I would give to people who are working with notoriously difficult, you know, directors or exacting directors or to, to get out ahead of it, you know, get out ahead of what you can see as potentially being a place where they could lose faith in you. At one point he was talking to me about, he had a watch, a Panerai watch. And he told me, he said, I just had this repaired because it wasn't keeping time. I said, oh, okay, well, is it keeping time now? He says it is. He says, but I can't really trust it. I'm like, oh, I, I, oh, watch. I <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He, and, and he also works hard. He works just as hard, if not harder than everybody around. And you know, you know how it is when you're working with somebody who um you just brings everything and you know and not 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 easy but brings it all and 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 sort of raises the standard you know so you raise it within yourself i think you do that with spielberg but he's not like ben in any way he's just kind of perfect but um you know ben just brings a lot of a lot of his own energy and um he's not afraid to fire people left and right if he doesn't feel like it fits right, you know, like complicated, but I, I enjoyed that movie so much and I enjoyed working with him. Yeah. I mean, and go figure. And you kind of, that one is also like, it's a movie. I feel like you might need a little bit of range for with how much do, cause like, well, we start off where he's just so comfortable in his like little world, like secluded world. And then you kind of go out and you're in Iceland and you have to prop up a bar in Iceland in the middle of nowhere. That's kind of secluded and how they do stuff and to helicopters, to nature photography and stuff like that. So was it, oh, yeah. was it, you said you always had like, kind of everything out for him was did did ben stiller like ask for a lot of stuff that wasn't supposed to be required on the day not necessarily no 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 it was really whatever was scripted we had there yeah he didn't even ask for it we just had it yeah and then when he saw that it was there you know it's just how you build trust yeah you know when when that's the kind of director you're 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 working with there are some directors that don't ever want to see you, you know, whatever. But Ben really, you know, he responded really well to that. He did his own stunts on that did, skateboard. Did, I was That's what I was going to I was like, he rode down on the skateboard? He rode down on that skateboard. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> it looked really, really Amazing. fast, too. How did they shoot that? <laughs> um, you know. Do they have a car right cars. next to him? Yeah, camera yeah, cars yeah. out there. The camera cars, yeah. I don't yeah. know how much they would have had uh, yeah, to shoot, uh, yeah, to send out there. Like you have to, they you probably had to. Did you have to send out like a few pallets? I'm assuming you didn't have your trailer in Iceland or anything. Right now, I just sent some stuff over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I sent a lot of stuff over. Oh wow! Yeah, Iceland shooting in Iceland. I recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, give me an opportunity. I'll do that. <laughs> uh, it, it will come. Yeah, I'm hoping. It will come. Um, but yeah. yeah, then you came back and did the, the Ninja Turtles and then Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is big yeah, why stuff. Not? Um, I, what, how did you get Okja? Like, is that something that the, was crewed up in the United States? Well, I worked with the production designer who did Okja the whole movie. Um, he was in um, South, Korea. South Korea. They did a lot of it in Korea. And then came to the States and did a bunch. And then they did some in Vancouver. 
So South Korea had its own unit prop yeah. master and everything like yes. that. Yeah. And then they can't, I did the, the New York part where, you know, the parade and all this stuff. And then the Vancouver stuff in the slaughterhouse and some of that Hilda's, you know, stuff on stage was all in Vancouver. So, yeah. Did you, yeah. did you get to work pretty close with, um, Bong Joon-ho? I did. Like, cause he's the best. Did he, did he, did he speak a lot of English then? <laughs> He spoke enough, but you know, the thing about Bong, well, he's just, I know I'm so, I, I know his, I know I'm just talking so nicely about all of my, directors, I know, but, um, I think everybody could but, say him cause everybody saw his like Academy Award speech winning those. Right. I mean, like, just, you, oh my like God, how do you not feel charming. for him? <laughs> he's the most charming and the most, oh my God, he's so creative. He would draw on his iPad the scene. You know, and you would be at a location and he would draw it while he's standing there. He'd draw exactly what he's seeing for the scene and show you exactly what he'd be seeing. And he would be like, just to hear, you know, like he'd have his hands out and he's like, I'm not going to see anything over here. You know, like he was, he could just tell you what the frame was and then draw these exquisite frameable pictures on his iPad to show you exactly what's going to happen there. And they he were pretty amazing. exact, I'm guessing. <laughs> Huh? They were pretty exact, I'm guessing. Yeah, he was just amazing. And I was so lucky because the the company that created Okja for the movie was in Vancouver. So I was able to go and see the creature a little and see the people working. Like, it's very top secret. Like, like what an opportunity. But um, And to see their process, you know, how they came up with with Okja. What do they what do they use um, in place for the for the creatures when shooting? Oh, the, they they had big um you know, they had big heads, foam heads and and you know, some big, you know, maquettes and like um yeah. Like people were people pieces. were people wearing them or something and walking around. Yeah, like there was the... like a there was a puppeteer who also sort of worked very closely with the with the actress, the little girl, like they became the puppeteer. They were puppeteers. Yeah. And they became close, the puppeteer. So was there, there was a lot, the slaughterhouse and everything. <laughs> oh my God, the slaughterhouse. That was, oh my God. So oh, that movie. Do you get, do you get pulled out of, um, out of town a lot in New York then? I have in, in my life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like where, yeah. like, do they pull you like was Jack Ryan was probably you travel for that? No, I only did the New York part of Jack Ryan. Oh, just the New York part of Jack Ryan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is, is there any directors that you that, still yeah, want to work with? Yeah, that wasn't up my alley really so much. Hmm? Is there any is there any sure. directors or any shows that you still kind of like it's on the bucket list or of who I want to work with? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um I'd like to work with Bong again. Yeah. Um, I mean, now that now no. that he's getting so much, uh, now that he knows he can make a South Korean movie and it be an absolute hit, who knows if he's coming back here? Right. Yeah. I don't know. He's great. He made they, they made something. Um, he made another movie that's coming out. I think. Um, I think he was in London. Uh, recently. He made a, he made another film. I think it was with was it with Tilda. I can't remember. I just oh, know the costume designer. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I would have to think of that because all of my directors are, well, a lot of my directors are dead. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I loved working with Sidney Lumet, you know, he was amazing. Sidney Lumet would just, would, would just, um, he would just rehearse with his actors and I'd have to bring props to the rehearsal spot, you know, so while they were taking a 15 minute break, show him stuff and he'd be like, great, you know, it's like, I'd be like, okay, you know, um, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, it's a gunfire or whatever. He's like, I'm only, I'm only going to do it once. You know, like he would just tell you how many, he, he just, he had it down, like nobody's business, that, that director. Um, I would have to think about who I'd like to work with. Yeah. Um, but you've, it sounds like you've hit most of your goals. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've hit most of my goals. There are some people, some producers and teams that I would just, feel happy working with them on everything that they do because i love working yeah. with them so much just the good you know people surrounding yourself around again just one wonderful people i mean also you know i've been doing this a while you know i did um i did anna uh inventing anna yeah so we got to go to morocco and we got to spend you know a couple of weeks at the you know la mamunia hotel which oh was yeah did you get to hang out on the yacht fancy. and stuff <laughs> Oh, that was, they shot that in Los Angeles, I think. They shot that in yeah. LA. <laughs> yeah, they shot that in LA. And I think if you look at the IMDB, whoever that prop master was, got credited for the entire season. Oh, you, I mean, you got, I was, can't. you're in here for, for two episodes. <laughs> I know, I did all of them. And, uh, <laughs> except for the one with the yacht in LA one. But I guess I could go back and change it. Yeah. <laughs> I even talked to the guy. He, he said it wasn't me. It was you know, Sean Deland. I'm like whatever. Well, just wait and change. You can change it after uh, prop masters get their own line on IMDb because hopefully we can get that done soon. Great. Right. That's what we're advocating for right now. I know it's wonderful. I know. Then it'll be a whole thing. Uh, bef yeah. Before we leave you, I want to ask about how the strike has been out there. I mean, obviously it's affected everybody. Um, the writers and actors strike, but when this first started, did it did it hurt hurt you guys as much as it was hurting us? And did you see picket lines popping up everywhere? Or? Everywhere, it's it's the same on both coasts. It's it, whatever your experience is saying is exactly what we're experiencing here. Um, television went down first with the writers, of course. Yeah, um, I was prepping a movie, so I was able to prep my movie. We shut down on July twenty first because we couldn't go any further without actors we were getting close to shooting in August. So without actors, obviously we couldn't do anything further. So I was lucky. I worked until July 21st. Oh, wow. And, and that job probably won't be back until February, but yeah, that's what I'm hearing know, a lot it's, of. Yeah. It's, um, it's the Bob Dylan biopic that Jim, mm. James Mangold is directing. Oh, cool. Timothy Chalamet is playing Bob Dylan. Oh, really? Man, he's busy, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's well, he's gonna be—he's gonna be busy, you know, promoting the two movies that are out and were pushed. You know, Dune right. and Wonka. So is that but, why you can't um, go back I, till August? Or well, no, this. Yes, that's why we can't go back until we're not going to shoot till the end of. I mean, till March. Till March. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's when we're going to start shooting. Probably I'll prep at least another month and a half. I, mean, I don't know what whatever they give me, but I got so into it you know this is what happens to us too it's like i got it's like the period between 1960 and 1965 so i was doing such deep dives into dylan and 
you know, Pete Seeger and Joan By. Like, I know everything there is to know or did about these people. Like, I had, was having guitars made and I was sourcing Pete's banjo and this guitar, which is really weird, and talking to people all over the world. And I went to Tulsa that has the Bob Dylan Museum and the Woody Guthrie Museum. Oh. So I was just, like, completely mental about it. And then it goes away. And now I'm like, do I have to, I'm going to have to get mental about it again. When do I have to start that? <laughs> You know, I mean, you still but have the I knowledge. Did, I hope so. But I, you know, I, you know, I started, I don't play guitar, but I started learning some chords and stuff and tuning so that I can be of some help when they're playing. Cause it's all going to be, they're going to be playing live, but the script is really good and it's very exciting and it's very low budget because everything's low budget now. So I'm like kind of annoyed, but, um, but I think it's going to be a good movie. Yeah. And how about you? Do you exit anything? That's do you go back to something? Um, maybe it's, it's uh, my show actually right. left LA and went to New York because apparently you guys work cheaper uh, from what they they were saying. So what 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 show was it? Um, it was American Horror Stories. Oh God, that was in New Jersey. We don't work Jersey. cheaper, but the New Jersey the New Jersey tax break was big. The New Jersey tax break. The tax break is big, but but our I don't think we our rates are not cheaper. Yeah, I know it was like it was like miles cheaper to shoot out there, and that was something that went into it. So they just kind of left, and I, that's I've, I've been seeing a trend with that a little bit lately. A lot of shows I'm have been so going. Sorry. I think I, I, it's mostly been Jersey. You're right, though. They, as most shows I hear have been going to New Jersey, and I don't know if you, is this film credit a new thing or something. No, I mean, it's tax credits. Yeah. I don't know what you guys get in L.A. You should have big tax credits in L.A. No, they're not that great. But <laughs> they should be better to keep more work there because yeah. you guys are there. Um, and New York just passed a, a, a big tax credit, too, which means that the the movie that I – the Dylan movie, which we were going to shoot mostly in New Jersey, could come back to New York a little bit, which makes sense because – Jersey doesn't look like New York, even in even if you dress it up. Although we did shoot West Side Story in in a part of New Jersey, which worked for you know the Upper West Side in 1960. But anyway, I'm sorry. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be still. No, no, you're fine. Uh, so you 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 work in New Jersey a lot. Then do you not like working in New Jersey or? Um, I haven't worked in New Jersey a lot. Only. This will just be my second movie that I've done oh, in New okay. Jersey. Yeah. Sometimes if they say it's a New Jersey show, I say no. Yeah. But but I did a, I did a film called Daddyo with Dakota Johnson and um, Sean Penn that the whole thing took place in a taxi cab. I did that in oh, New wow. Jersey in like this last December or something. And that was fun and low budget. And it was still fun. Yeah. I think the trend is going to be more independent movies and less money. And I don't yeah. know. I hope not, but but no. I hope, the, I hope not too. There are there are rumors that the the show uh, will be coming back this season though, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to be heartbroken because um, if there's something else comes up, which I, I'm 
everybody's saying the floodgates are going to open kind of like they they did after the pandemic so if that happens i'll be i'm not going to be heartbroken to leave the ryan murphy world because i mean everybody knows the stories that go into the ryan murphy world but yeah i i I couldn't do that no it's 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 honestly it's the it's the (laughs) devil you know because it's a little bit hectic and it's crazy but the the line producer and the upm are are wonderful and they always give me what i need and they 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 trust me like we were you were saying and yeah and that's a relationship that it's it's hard to start over i mean you need to because i need to meet i'm a young prop master so i need to meet new people and i need to meet new producers and i can't sit in my happy like comfortable area for too long i gotta branch out but if if it does come back it's going to be too hard to say no probably totally yeah definitely we all need to work yeah how about you (laughs) oh well my show finished near the beginning of the year so there's nothing direct but the there's starting to be rumblings. You know, everybody's starting to put feelers out. So I'm hoping there's going to be something fun on the horizon. Yeah. I think there will be many, many fun things on the horizon. And my advice to you guys, and it has nothing to do with anything, but ask for up your, up your prices because there's going to be more shows than there is going to be crews. I, I, I just feel like you guys just, you know, don't, don't settle for anything more than a little more than what you think you should get. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking, if you, you know, I think that that's, I think they're going to pay it. Well, that's what everyone's talking about. We kind of just were forced to take a three, six, nine month vacation, whatever it was. So I need to make that income up a little bit, you know, do you think? And I, I got to retire one of these days, but, between the pandemic and this, I'm like, I'll be just, I'm never going to get to retire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it, honestly, it, it wasn't only till recently that I, I kind of realized that scale wasn't the top dollar. <laughs> and, and yeah, no, no, no more scale for you. Yes, exactly. That it was like, I, for some reason I thought it was just like the kit was what you negotiate and this, you just, you're told what you're getting paid and that's it. But that's, that's changed. And I think the PMG has helped me with that also. So. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even if you start, start by asking for a dollar an hour more, you know, yeah. just like start, start in a place that they aren't going to like freak out about it, and then every job just go up a little more. Yeah, yeah. That's my advice. No, I'm with you're you. You're worth it. I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you. you were, you're both worth it. We're all worth it on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. So hopefully, yeah. you you are going to go back to the Bob. Di- like you're going to hold out to the Bob Dylan thing, though. I'm going to do the best I can because it's such a good script, and I'm really into the story. And you know, um, I've already propped most of it. Right. Um, and I like working with Jim Mangold. He's another intense, wonderful director. Not easy, intense, but you know, I like these guys. Yeah. Can I tell you one thing? Can I say it on the podcast? I would stay away from Nancy Myers. Oh yeah. <laughs> you just want to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Noted. Yeah, she's just she kind of can make you miserable. All right. Um. Yeah. There's been um, those people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a good time because it was Meryl Streep, and this is it's complicated. Meryl Streep and. Steve Martin and Alec. Well, there was a lot of wonderful things about it, but you know, um, you know the actors. But that particular director is a little bit, you know, she it's could difficult. hurt your health. Yeah, 
I feel that. <laughs> mm. And then have you just, have you done any like commercials and stuff in between? Have you been able to get any of that or, or anything? I don't, I don't really do commercials. No. Like I don't do, I only cause I, I mean, I used to do them as an assistant here and there, but I don't really, yeah. um, I'm not really in that world in New York. It's pretty separate. Yeah. There are the commercial people and the, and the, movie tv people the commercial people they hire each other you know they try to keep the jobs within their own circle because some guys will get a job and hire the other guy and the other guy will get, you know like they keep it which is great they should I, I haven't done it and i don't do do network television like i've never done a network i've never done network television yeah and i'm probably not that's probably not wouldn't be good for me no no <laughs> but then again i'm older you guys are young do it all yeah you be the judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have but you done I'll with the help, strike time? You know, what, babe? What have you done with the strike time? Like, we're all used to being so busy. Really? You want to know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, well, uh, um, you know, I've been organizing a lot of my props and doing a lot of home projects, but I'm also um, a sailor, you know, so I've been... I've been studying for my captain's license. Oh, because in this, I am fortunate enough to have a house out on the end of Long Island that's on the water, and there's opportunities here for people with a captain's license. I could take people here, and you know, just you know, just a little side hustle um, here and there. So I, I just wanted to have my captain's license. Um, I just want that, um, and I also am going to get certified for scuba because I never had a chance to do it, so I'm doing that. And then I have a friend who has a beautiful restaurant in town in Long Island where I am right now. And because all the kids went back to college, I've been hostessing there. So it does mean that I have to kind of get up and put myself together and yeah. go to work. And that's mm, probably yeah. very good for me. Yep. You know? um, and that's been really fun. And, um, um, and it's also really nice uh, at this time of year because there's all the screeners and there's some, you know, events and, Mm -hmm. stuff having you know the opportunity to go to a lot of movies and see the panels right now for, with the academy so yeah i've been doing that last night i saw maestro the bradley mm -hmm. cooper movie um have you heard about that one no he, i've he heard it but i'm leonard seen it leonard, yeah. leonard bernstein um so that's been fun and um you know, I've just you know, been doing. You've been a filling lot of your things time. like that. Yeah, you've been filling <laughs> huh? your time. Do you have a boat? Do you own a boat? I have a I have a, a small Boston Whaler. Yes, I have. Oh, a boat. cool! But um, I have my sister has a big sailboat that's right out in front of my house at the dock, so I get to go sailing with them. Oh, and nice. I have friends with boats that often need help with charters. Yeah. So it's like you know what I mean. Like, yeah. what have you guys been doing? Um, I got a job. Um just a little like nine to nine to three Monday through Friday job, uh, working for a printing company, just delivering documents and stuff like that to, to fantastic. Yeah. It's just, again, like you said, it's just something to put yourself together in the morning and feel like you have a little bit of purpose. And then I've been putting a lot of effort into the PMG. Too. <laughs> That's been taking up a lot of my time. Yeah. So yeah. just so you know, I feel guilty that I haven't been putting more time into it, but I am going to, I promise you. <laughs> no worries. We'll hold you to that. <laughs> Please hold me to it. 
<laughs> like I said, we need to we need to get our our numbers stronger in New York. So if, I mean, if you're if you're a prop masters out yeah. out in New York listening to this, um, apply to the Property Masters Guild. Like we want you. We we need more experienced New York people and, and Chicago. If I'm if I'm being honest. So yeah, uh, we want you. Come hang out with us. Get involved. <laughs> Do all that. Uh, and call me, please, if you, New York Prop Masters, because you know I'm. I, I promise you, I will. Um, I'll give you the lowdown, and and we'll, we're going to make our numbers stronger. So call me. Yeah, please. But Teresa, what do, have you been doing? Uh, yeah, a lot of PMG. I uh, I've been taking sort of my trailer apart and putting it back together, and you know, doing that awful process of pulling every single prop out and going, "Do you really Ugh. need this?" <laughs> like. Do oh. you really need this? Okay, I'm, I'm, it fits in the bin. It's going to go back in the bin. I'm going to keep oh that. Oh, my God. Good for you. Like, God, I can't. I know. I try. I can't. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yeah. So it's long and tedious, but I think it's worth it. And, you know, we spend so much time in our trailers when we're working that I want it to be a place that I enjoy and, you know, yeah. I like the environment of and fits all my idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Yeah, good. That's I feel the same way. Um, but oh my god, I mean I have I have a whole basement full of stuff that I have been going through. Oh, I miss basements. <laughs> oh my god, and my trailer and two storage spaces and oh, it's too much. I've been adamant that if it doesn't fit in the trailer, it doesn't get to stay, and I'm sure that at some point I'll be breaking that seal, yeah. but. No, it's all, listen, it, the most important thing is if it's easy to get, get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously there are many levels of what mm -hmm. we hold on to, but sometimes when you're having a conversation with yourself about whether or not to keep it or not, be like, can I just get, can I get this easily? Yeah. Or do I have to really hold on to these, you know, seven bins of memo pads? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If I could solve this problem with a half an hour trip to Target, does it need to stay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of a good, a good, a good source. Um, well, that all sounds great, you guys. Yeah, thank you, thank you for sitting down with us and chatting with us today. I'm glad to hear how it's going on the New York side when it's going. I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, wonderful to talk to you guys. Thank you for doing all that you do. Thanks. It's thank so important um, to have the youth of America taking the baton and 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 moving us forward and getting us you know where we need to be oh this is this is going to uplift entertainment the, hierarchy yeah this is going to uplift us all and i think it's i mean having you guys involved you said you just got into the academy so congratulations on that and that's freaking fantastic but having those that like hope and emily like there's so much of you guys in the academy as prop masters that's a big deal to be a part of the pmg and doing this stuff so i think getting this going and smooth sailing and and just putting some effort into it now it's it's really gonna it's gonna benefit us the most in the future and i, I and i appreciate all you guys being able to help and being able to at least share your knowledge with us <laughs> yeah well you're welcome and you can thank me when i actually do something <laughs> that's fair <laughs> um so um before we go i just want to um, let everybody out there know who's listening um, that's in the Los Angeles area um, that we are going to be at LA Comic Con here in Los Angeles from December 1st to the 3rd. We're going to have a nice sizable booth and we're going to be displaying actual screen used props 
for movies like Oppenheimer, Jurassic World, um, I don't know. There's lots of stuff. Fast X. There's tons of, that's just, just a few of them. We're going to have lots of stuff there. And then we're going to have panels with prop masters, uh, Saturday and Sunday, um, from star Wars, from Oppenheimer, being able to do stuff. You can come and meet the prop masters who actually helped make these props. Um, come down and say, Hey to us. Um, we'll let you take some pictures with props and stuff. It's going to be pretty awesome. So again, that's December 1st to the 3rd at the LA convention center. Um, go ahead and sign up. You can, Learn more about that on their website and on the PMG's website. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Prop Talk. This is the official podcast of the Property Masters Guild. It's brought to you by Real Working and Retired Prop Masters. If this is your first time listening, please make sure to like, subscribe, comment wherever you're hearing this. It helps us out. If you'd like to know more information about the Property Masters Guild, or if you have any questions for us here at Prop Talk, uh, make sure to go to propertymastersguild.org. Um, also follow us on all the social media stuff. Um, we're on Instagram at underscore the PMG um, and all the other socials. So go find us there. Um, I'm Mikey Trudell, and this has been another episode of Prop Talk. Mm-hmm.